Okay, let's convene the Iowa City City Council work session for Tuesday, June the 4th, 2019. The first thing I need to say is that I understand Mazahir cannot be with us tonight. I gather she's sort of in the thick of things in Sudan, and uh, we certainly wish her the best, and uh, the same would go for all the other people of Sudan. Beyond that, I don't know any details. Kelly, do you have any more information to add? Not really, other than no internet, streets are closed, people are staying in their houses, so she said she'd get a hold of us when she had internet. Yeah. Okay, well, there, there that is. Uh, the first item on our work session agenda is the 2019 to 20 Public Works and Parks and Recreation Capital Project Update. Wow, what a long <laughs> descriptor. It's a long Hi, presentation, Julie. too. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Julie Seidel Johnson, Parks and Recreation Director. Uh, we're going to walk you through a number of projects happening throughout Parks and Public Works. I'm going to go first because I need to scoot out of here for another meeting. Um, I always have to start by saying what a great place to live and work. Um, thank you for all the support you've been giving to our parks and open spaces. And it's amazing for a department to have this many projects happening at once. It's also overwhelming a lot of days, <laughs> but it's quite amazing. Um, kind of a, a theme that goes through all the projects is rain, 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 wet conditions. Um, you may have heard resident questions about how come my park hasn't been mowed. Well, <laughs> we're struggling keeping up on all of the parks across the city. There's no special ones getting mowed more than others, other than realize a lot of the parks are actually drainage ways and are designed to hold water. So when they hold water, we can't mow. Um, and same thing with the Highway 6, Highway 1 medians. There's some difficulties with that. But um, it seems to be getting better, knock on wood. We seem to be drying out a little bit. And let's hope it lasts for a few more days so we get, get caught up a little bit more. So I'm going to take you through a number of projects that are in the works right now. Some of them you're very familiar with. Some of them are smaller ones that are happening. Um, we start with riverfront crossings. I wish I had a really nice picture of the nice greenery out there. <laughs> it looks a little rough right now. That's why I don't have a new picture. Uh, we were just talking with the contractors from the first three phases about getting out there and, and getting some reseeding done and remowing. It's been a tough year with the wetness and, the, and that out here. Uh, phase one is done except for a few punch list items. That's the trails, the wetland area, the tree planting, some of those things. Um, a little bit of seeding left on that. Phase two is the nature play area. Once again, seeding and sodding is holding us up on accepting that, although it's open to the public. Uh, phase three is the restrooms, the signage, um, and the lights throughout the park. All of those are functioning. We haven't yet accepted the restroom, and there's just a few punch list items yet to go on that. Um, and then later in the presentation, I'll show you phase the next phase, phase four, which uh, we set the public hearing for tonight, too. And just, do you want to just ask questions along the way if I talk about a project you have some questions about? Um, next. How do we do that? Okay. Sorry. A uh, small trail infill project, Highway 1. Uh, this is underway. They're doing grading right now and, and the utility work underneath, but that's in process. That's been a trail section we've been waiting for for quite a while. So this is north of Highway 1, correct? Right. Yeah. Could you go back to 2? <laughs> it's from Sunset to Mormon Trek, right? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Really excited for that project. 
uh, Willow Creek, Kiwanis, the, uh, this is mostly the Willow Creek side, so the restroom, shelter, playground are gone now. It's a big mud pit at the moment, <laughs> at the moment but um, the, the equipment, everything's coming in on time, so once it dries up a little bit, you'll see a lot of progress uh, happening in that park. Probably take most of the summer um, to get the new playground, restroom, and shelter up and running there at that park. Lower City Park Adventure Play, we've issued the contract for construction on this. Uh, we have our, our uh, kickoff meeting with the contractors this Friday, uh, so you'll be seeing construction on that throughout the summer as well and, and probably opening in the fall again. Uh, during that process, just so you know, the regular, the other playground is in Lower City Park will stay there and stay open until this adventure play is ready, um, and then we'll take it out at that time. So there will always be a playground there. Um, Eastside Sports Complex, this is just planting the tree buffer um, along the railroad side of this, uh, this parcel to get it ready for future development. Uh, there are a number of residents now asking more questions about Eastside Sports, just so you know, the master plan that was done a few years ago. This project, however, only plants the trees. Uh, we hope to have the planting done this fall. Design work is complete. Uh, we'll bid and plant trees next fall. Uh, City Park ball field improvements. This is a number of small improvements for City Park ball fields. This is one that is delayed at the moment. We plan to come back to it after the baseball season and into the fall. There's some uh, lighting and some fencing and, and a lot of smaller things that will happen there. Um, our main athletic fields person has been on uh, a medical leave this for the last couple months, so we need to wait until he gets back to help with capacity to do that project. The ADA improvements in the rec center. Um, this is the project of having um, the family restroom area or shower area added to the pool deck at Robert A. Lee and then uh, repurposing the racquetball and game room. And as you're aware, um, the bike library is no longer interested in having that space. Um, so we will be developing it into more of a generic recreation slash rental space for community groups and, and recreation programming. So more to come on, on exactly how that will be developed, but it will still take care of the ADA and access concerns. Um, and I think make it a much better and more usable place for the for the public. Hold on for a second, Joy. Uh, we haven't really discussed what could be done instead of having the bike um, library move into that space. Uh, shouldn't we have some discussion about that? We had two uh, community groups respond to that, and Public Space One was the, the second group. They are working on acquiring both of the Gilbert Street homes. Uh, so with no other groups that expressed interest, we, we I gave Julie the go-ahead to go ahead and um, frame that space out for, you know, it's basically what I call a vanilla box. We'll be able to use it for programming. We still would be able to entertain third-party partnerships afterwards, but we didn't want to hold up all the all the work in the building by going out again when there didn't seem to be a whole lot of interest in the community to start with. So if the bike library were to change their mind into the future, it would still be possible. It would yes. preclude that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it would be possible, but I would mention that we will, our basic vanilla box is a little bit different than what they were proposing. So okay. we'll, the way we will level out the floor will make it so that it probably can't be the two-story that they had envisioned okay. um, without additional work. So it's a lot less costly to just level the floor where it's at. Um, so. 
Yeah, I think it's just, uh, not, 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 I'm not criticizing you sure. or Jeff, but I think it's regrettable that the bike library decided that, this. oh yeah, they decided they didn't, yeah. they didn't want to do it. And uh, it's a puzzle because they've had trouble finding space and they've had to move around, move around, move around, and they, here we get provide a perfect space, or at least what seemed to us to be a perfect space. And hmm. so I, I don't understand. So if any of you have really good contacts with the bike library people, <laughs> Talk to them and try to figure out what the heck they're thinking. And if they've made their firm decision, it's done, there's no question, well, there you go. But Yeah, I was hoping that there could be at least some follow. I mean, I know that I had talked to one member who had just, I won't name her name, who had did not know that, there, that it was even closed off. And so I don't know if there's any different voices within there. But I know that the, their executive director was the person that was doing the investi or the negotiating. So I, certainly I if we can, for future conversations, it would be helpful. I, I followed up with one of their, their board members who was involved in the, in the discussions just to get a better understanding of, of what happened. Uh, I think the... The, the cost of the remodel that they were looking at was, was fairly significant. And while they have some reserves in place, um, they, didn't, they couldn't figure out how to close that gap because they, there's nothing for them to go to a bank and borrow. They're not, they don't have equity in this property. They don't own it. It's look, yeah. You're looking at kind of tenant improvements to a space. And they were looking at upwards of a half a million dollars in improvements that they wanted to do to that space. And they just didn't have the ability to, to do that. They had inquired with us about possibly buying the space, and I wasn't supportive of that. I, I, I think the city needs to maintain flexibility on that site. And they had also talked about the possibility of us serving as the, the lending uh, uh, agency and, and loaning them the dollars needed. And uh, I responded that you know, we didn't have funds identified for something that significant. It would be one thing to talk about a build-out grant, like a building change type of grant, but they're looking at needing a couple hundred thousand dollars at least in, in financing, and I didn't feel like that was something that we should, we should be entertaining. Um, I, I don't know what went into their design. They had a pretty elaborate design, as Julie alluded to. They were looking at two levels with an entrance off college. In my simple view of things, uh, they, they certainly could uh, could have reduced cost to, to just use the box space that we were looking at with the floor level, as, as Julie was mentioning. Um, I don't think, for whatever reason, they felt that that met their needs. Um, uh, so they decided to move on. Uh, I don't, after talking with um, one of their board members, I don't think that they have a solid plan B right now. They plan to continue to be in their space and continue to hunt, and we'll continue to keep an eye out for properties that might fit their needs. But it's going to be extremely difficult to find a spot better than this in downtown. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just mystified. I understand what you're saying, and I'm sure that's what people have said to you. But... <laughs> First thing I think about is scaling down the project once I realized it was going to cost half a million dollars. So, yeah, so, oh well. Okay. Thank you. Sorry for the yeah, interruption. No, that's okay. That's what I'm here for. That's called the lamentation, right? <laughs>
It's okay. Uh, the next thing is right outside the doors of the Robert A. Lee Rec Center. The parking lot has seen much better days. Um, we're looking at an entire rework of the design of the parking lot outside of the Rec Center. Um, you'll see part of this this summer as we have to provide access out of the Chauncey Swan ramp for the um, for the new building, the new condos. Um, that affects the farmer's market layout and it affects how we need to add another driveway for that. So you'll see that part by August when the building opens. Um, the rest of these renovations will be either in the fall or the next spring. Yeah. And that includes some work with the creek as well, stabilizing the creek, uh, Ralston Creek behind the building too, or behind the parking lot, sorry. City Hall other projects, I love this picture. Um, so those pipes, I hope you're not too attached to them. Oh man, don't <laughs> um, They have no functional purpose, they are decorative. Um, so we're gonna be removing those soon. So that's one very small project, but it'll be a big visual change on the outside of City Hall. Well, just to play with this a little bit, uh, I'd say the pipes actually add some uh, architectural character to what otherwise would be a bland side to the building. They do, but they're at the point where they've rusted in several places and we either need to replace them, which is even more expensive yeah. than simply But they have moving. no purpose other than, yeah. yeah. The other big project happening in City Hall, we crossed our fingers all through winter and made it through on one boiler. That's not smart here in Iowa. So the other big project will be replacing the two boilers. Um, we will go out to bid on that um, later this summer with work kind of August into the fall so that we have a better guarantee of temperature control here in City City Hall in the building throughout the winter. Um, Park's annual ADA accessibility improvements. So we last year finished Highland Park, uh, Pheasant Hill, Mercer in the playground area, uh, Villa Park, and this picture is of Tower Court, but it's actually the older picture, which is before the new paths were added in. So we've gone into all those, done some very simple path work to include or to increase accessibility to the major features of the park. Uh, 2020, the three parks that are slated for this summer, College Green Park, which is a very small paving project to add a few spaces that need connections there. Probably will be our crews that end up actually doing those. Um, Brooklyn Park needs quite a few extra additional paths to make the connections there. It's very wet right now, so we're not sure when we'll get in to do that one. Same thing with Hunter Run Park, um, some accessibility issues there with the playground and the shelter. And once again, it's in an area that's pretty wet. So this might be later in the fall before we get back to these um, to do those. Um, the rec center improvements, as I said, that is the ones we just talked about. Um, continuing with other concerns in the Robert A. Lee rec center, we're going to be replacing the fire um, and sprinkler system um, throughout with the ADA project. There's a number of other needs throughout that building, so you'll see us continue to chip those off. We need new ceiling tiles, need new replacement of the floor tiles. There's, there's lots of smaller projects that we're um, trying to do to just continually upgrade and, and move forward with keeping the building up. Creekside Park, I'm happy to say it got seated yesterday. So uh, this picture was taken before the seating, but the restroom and shelter are in place. The sport court or the basketball court is back in place. 
the park maintenance crew will be coming in to do the playground. Uh, we can't get in right now on this one. It's too wet and without we want to give the seating a chance. So it's very likely we will open the park um, in a few weeks without the playground there to start with. But I assure you the playground is coming. <laughs> That's pretty cool, but it's going to take a little bit longer this summer to get that in place. Uh, riverfront crossings this is the next phase the phase four this is the traffic circle so the sculpture by kenneth snelson uh, moving from terrell mill park down here to the main entrance it will give us a bigger entrance sign um, going into the park give us some landscaping and additional pathways um, in that northern area of the park. Uh, the grand opening for Riverfront Crossings Park is scheduled for July 20th. Uh, we're gonna have some exciting news coming out about things scheduled that day. Unfortunately, phase four, this part will not be done in time for that July 20th grand opening. Uh, we will start, hopefully start construction on this shortly after that. Uh, the other downside to that is it means that right after we open our great new park, there will be some time periods where we actually have to close the entrance to do this work. So um, stay tuned. We're going to do our best to work around that. I think the trails will always remain open, uh, but there could be some chances that there are some days that the parking lot will have to be closed um, since they're actually working on the entrance and the curb ramps and, and things right there. So that's coming. Hickory Hill Park and Trail Redesign and Redevelopment, that's coming along. Um, saw some preliminary orders for the signs today. Those haven't been ordered, so the signs are six or eight weeks out at least. Um, the path work is, is moving forward, but it, once again, my theme, <laughs> the wet conditions are making it difficult. Same time, we've done a lot of work with the REAP grant funding that we've had to work on invasive species, um, prairie plantings, prairie burns, those kind of things are happening along with efforts by friends of the Friends of Hickory Hill. So a lot happening in that park, uh, not quite as fast as we'd hoped, but it's happening. Uh, community and garden improvements. So the gardens are up and functioning right now. They are all the spaces are rented. Um, things are growing fast there. So that's the one place we're happy to get plenty of rain. Uh, we still have three projects in the works for improving the gardens. Uh, and they will happen next fall. So one of them is a, a redesign at Chattic Green. Um, and that's one that we worked with Backyard Abundance did some neighborhood meetings in the area last year. Um, the first designs were financially out of the ballpark for what we were hoping for. So we've gone back to the drawing board a couple times to kind of size those down to what we had funding for. So that'll happen in the fall. Walden Green, it will be a new garden area that's out on the western side by Mormon Track. Um, that will go in in the fall. And then Creekside, which you just saw, um, to the, get my directions right on that park, to the northwest side of the shelter, there's there was a residential lot. The neighborhood meetings in that area asked not for community gardens, but a community orchard space. So you'll be seeing us plant some more trees and do some, uh, we also have money for some artwork there, kind of welcoming artwork um, that will also happen in the fall. Uh, the Terry Trueblood Solar Project was one that you funded uh, for this year. We're just in the process now of doing a consultant agreement to get a consultant on board to look at possibilities for that. So more to come. I just wanted to make sure you know it's on the project list. I hope to get it done probably, looking at Ron on that one, late summer, fall, maybe next year. We're not really sure until we get the consultant on board. 
City Park cabins almost complete. The work on the cabins themselves has been done for quite a while, an amazing restoration of those cabins. Uh, what we've been waiting on is that uh, when the restoration work was done, it raised the thresholds going into the cabins at the doorways higher than expected. There was more rotted wood there than they anticipated. So it caused a new, you had to redesign the pathways to provide ADA access. So I was told this week that we have the new design plans ready. They've been turned over to the construction company. So you should see those paths soon and then that project will be complete. College Green bocce courts, um, also a new project that's in this fiscal year. However, I think it'll, we'll actually get to it shortly. Uh, midsummer to late summer. We had a group of individuals interested in helping fund these. Um, there's some money in the operating budget, but two bocce ball courts that will go in at College Green Park. Um, along with, we're gonna try two um, sets of bag, um, the bag game, a cornhole um, permanent. They were made out of concrete. So I think it, it'll be a really nice addition to that park for additional recreation <coughs> amenities there. Where, where, where will that be? When will it be? Where will that where be? Where will it be? So uh, at the X, on the, where the meat in the center, the, the shelter is here, and then just to the north in that open part of the open space. Um, it looks like we can get it in without moving any or disturbing any of the trees. There's just enough space for the bocce courts there. Um, and then it will be easy to provide um, little paved access off the um, sidewalk at each side. It, it works out quite nicely right there. So. We just saw like 60% designs on those today, so um, should be out to bid in, in a, probably a month. Uh, Mercer entry landscaping. This isn't a very good picture to show this, but at the entrance area to Mercer, we have kind of tired landscaping lights that don't work a lot of the time. Um, so we will be replacing the lights. We're working on uh, new LED, LED lights that will go there. Um, new landscaping to freshen up the building. And then the play sculpture that was downtown is the bicycle rack play. Um, it was on... Um, Street. Anyway, downtown, that, that'll have a new location right in front of the building for bike storage in front of Mercer. So we're excited to get that added to that park. Chauncey Swan Park, <laughs> crossing my fingers, it's coming, you know, it's still a construction site over there, but um, they will be getting back to that and that will be opening up as a public park this fall or next spring at this point. Playground improvements, these are the ones that we have on schedule for not this summer, but next summer. But I just want to bring them to your attention because we will start having our public meetings on these very soon. Um, so first of all, Scott Park, which is what you see in this picture, um, that will get a new playground and shelter. And we have a public meeting scheduled for that one August 8th at the party in the park that is scheduled that night at Scott Park. And that'll be a chance for the neighbors to weigh in on the playground design. The shelters, we're using the, the designs from the park master plan so they're staying consistent throughout um, there'll be some input on location although in lots of places what we're doing is either moving things out of the wet areas or moving them so we don't have to have as large of accessible paths to get or as long accessible paths to get to the playground features so we like to show the show the neighbors that what's happening and usually we have two or three different playground designs for them to quote vote on I, we take more take comments on it and get their ideas for colors and, and amenities that they'd like to see so that's happening for Scott Park uh, 
um, Fair Meadows and Weatherby Park. So Fair Meadows is getting a playground replacement, which is just a small, will be a tot-sized playground because of Grantwood Elementary's pretty cool big playground right next to it, um, and a new shelter there. And then Weatherby Park gets a new restroom, shelter, and playground. And Weatherby's quite a large space, so it's not getting a full park renovation there either. It's just that central area where the restroom, shelter, and playground are. Um, and those public meetings will be combined on August 15th at Fair Meadows. That's the party in the park that night. And I've given word to the South District folks, and we're getting the word out about that. Um, the fourth playground for next summer is Napoleon at the softball complex. Um, that playground has, uh, has a number of drainage problems and it was closed most of last year just because of um, there's so much water and it's, it's getting to the age where there's some safety concerns as well. Uh, we met on that project today too and we talked about it and I think what we're going to do is look at replacing the major playground with smaller pods of play equipment around the softball diamond. So there won't be a central play area but they'll have smaller areas uh, near the concession stand and more you know geared towards things that don't require as much safety service um, are lower to the ground probably not a slide there it swings and in, in the a spinner type thing so a little bit different concept in the works there we'll show it to you as we get more work done on that uh, Mercer pool lighting, we're using um, some of the LED, we're putting LED lights in here so some of the sustainability money is going to replace these lights. The bigger concern is just the amount of lumens that they are, have on the pool right now. Um, we need to upgrade it to meet current safety standards so we'll be getting all new lighting over the indoor pool. The other problem right now is anytime we have a light go out, <laughs> we have to drain the pool to get to it in some of the center ones. It was a very poor design, and so we hope to get that fixed too so that we have ability to change these things out when we need to. Um, big project, Mercer Scanlon. We did the boilers and HVAC last year, coming back in this coming year with a dehumidification project and then uh, addressing some of the building envelope or tuck pointing <coughs> items on the outside of the building. Important that those happen together because actually the level of humid humidity in the building is causing a number of the, the problems with the structure around. So continuing there. Farmer's Market, fun little art project. Uh, uh, funded in the operating budget, but partially from some uh, public art committee funds. Uh, you'll be seeing this go over on the um, on the parking garage across the street. Just some artwork to identify it as the space of the farmer's market, and then that little frame for a little photo op, that can move, so that'll be in different places depending on the market. So uh, it, it is scheduled to be installed by the end of June, so you should be seeing it soon. And then the little project, if you notice, the bell is gone. <laughs> um, it had some structural problems. We're pretty lucky it didn't fall on someone. So it's been sent, it's been sandblasted, um, recoded. We're getting limestone around the outside edges of the columns, kind of dressing it up again. Um, and it'll come back as more of a focal point on the side of City Hall over here. So it's been that we've been adding more farmer's market programming towards it, kind of drawing people over there. That This will really finish that up. Um, so that's the major projects that are on the screen. A couple of other smaller things that are happening that are kind of higher visibility things. 
We are going to be getting an outdoor table tennis and some shade at the uh, top of the nature play area at Riverfront Crossings. Um, we had uh, some donations for that area last year that were to be used for those items, so we will be getting those in later this summer. We got windscreens coming over at the Mercer Pickleball Courts in partnership with the Pickleball Players. Um, they are <laughs> a growing group that's using that, and they use our gyms quite often, um, and that's a, um, an improvement they asked for, so they're working with us on that. Um, we plan to use next year's CDBG funding to add, to pave the path that is currently in the back part of Weatherby Park. That's one of the um, requests we've gotten from a number of neighbors in the South district. Um, it's a gravel path through the park beyond the sport court now, um, so we, we hope to come in later this fall and do get that paved. Fill the park. Uh, the playground is almost in. We're waiting for one more piece to finish the ramp on the main play equipment at Villa Park. But then we're going to come back later. We've got some more funding from that CDBG fund to put in a small shelter like you, the size you see at Cardigan Park or Fraunholtz Miller. Um, and a water fountain will be coming into that park too later this year. Um, we have some park sign replacements happening. About 10 of them should be happening in the coming weeks um, at various parks. So we're moving them all to the new park signage that you've seen like um, at, the, at the newer Riverfront Crossings or Terry Trueblood and a few others around town. So that will expand. We're also working to get auto locks placed on all of the park restrooms. So right now, <laughs> to open up all our restrooms throughout the park system, we send out one or two um, temp or seasonal employees every single day to open them and at the end of the day to close them. Um, we are working to get those all in automatic locks that can be controlled remotely so that staff will still go and check them every day, but it won't be necessary to necessarily change, you know, open it and close them. Um, it should make our operations much more efficient. We get a lot of calls from walkers and runners that would like them open as early as 5 in the morning. We just simply don't have staff on yet at 5 in the morning, so I think this will be a really nice operational change for the public, too. Um, we're also working on expanding Wi-Fi throughout the parks with a larger project of um, more to come on that. Um, and we're changing refuse and recycling in a number of park locations. And I was joking today that I feel like we have to put a treasure map out anytime we move a garbage can because people are very attached to where their garbage cans are. Um, the longer story is we're trying to get more efficient with it. We've gotten a new garbage truck for the park staff, which is great because it allows us to tip the garbage cans up into the truck without manually have to, having to lift them each time. Well, with that, what we've tried to do is centralize more of the garbage cans and eventually recycling so they're closer to the restrooms or the entrances to the park. Um, there's been a lot of public comment about that at our dog parks and the city park and some of the ones we've started with, um, but we're finding people are getting on board and, and understanding what's happening. But in the meantime, anytime we move a garbage can, we get a call, what happened to my garbage can? Um, and that's the reasoning behind it. We are truly trying to make it more efficient. Um, EAB, we've been out treating. You'll learn more about that in coming weeks. A lot of trees that we're looking at treating um, and unfortunately taking some, some big ones down. And then natural areas plan, uh, implementing that as we go through. Uh, we now have a contractor. We will. I don't think we've issued the contract yet for prairie restorations in a number of areas and adding some additional prairie areas. 
and then invas invasive species removal in some of our primary wooded areas like Ryerson Woods. Um, I don't think there's any more at Hickory Hill Park right now and a couple other locations. So we're finally getting rolling on getting all those in the works and a, just a ton of work happening throughout the parks. Um, one last public meeting that's coming up. We have Snyder and Associates coming out to the Happy Hollow um, party in the park, which is July 11th, to do a public process and more of a pre-master plan. It's a few years out before that park will see more renovations, um, but we've been asked by the neighbors, what are, what are we going to do with the donations that were brought in for that? What, what else is happening? So we'd like to bring them in and have that discussion to at least get a plan in place and, and talk about priorities uh, for what will be happening there. So. I'm out of breath because that's a lot. And with regard to that park, Julie, yeah. you know I live a block and a half away from it, uh, but uh, I've noticed that there's kind of a wetland in back of that uh, duplex or you know, duplex owned by the Hayek family, I think. But is that still in the Hayek family's ownership, or has that been transferred to the city, it is. or what? I believe it's still with them. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're doing it because they've let grass grow taller around. There, there are frogs there now, and. <laughs> It's uh, really quite pleasing at night, but I didn't know if there was anything official that had been happening there. Okay. Anybody have any questions or reactions with regard to what Julie has told well, us? Well, just reaction. I mean, there's a ton of projects. And good <laughs> so good luck staying on top of them. <laughs> Sometimes lots it amazes me how many details are in my head. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just lots of really, really good things. I think, you know, with our park master plan and implementation, things are going well. So thank you. The rain has been a challenge, has I'm been. sure, for a lot of this stuff. But looking forward to it, to its completions. Yeah. With regard to Riverfront Crossings Park and the, the photograph at the top left here that we're looking at, I was down there a few days ago noticing how high the water was in the um, what, do you, what do you call it? The, well, um, the, the Oxbow? The horseshoe area of the Oxbow. Yeah, it looked like it was working exactly the way it was intended to work. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it is. It is functioning exactly as we were hoped for. Um, both the way that Ralston Creek runs through there, um, it meanders at lower times and it has an offshoot when it when it floods through, comes through in a flash flood, that's working well. Um, you know, we're experiencing a little flooding into the nature area, but that was to be expected. And so far the river, Iowa River has stayed out of the park. So um, yeah, it's it's functioning well. And I think that's the case, as, as frustrated as we are about mowing right now and, and the conditions out there, we're seeing things start to work in all of our flood projects. Uh, City Park is getting flooded on the edges and, and we're seeing that. Um, I think that leads to further discussions of how we continue to move things up from the river's edge up towards the hillside. Um, but I think the playground and some of the things we're already starting are great movements for that. Um, it's been an interesting spring, so. <laughs> uh, the wettest spring in recorded meteorological history here? Yeah, something I like think. That. I mean, it was the second wettest four days before the end of May. Anyhow, I was referring to May when I said that, but. Yeah. I think it probably ended up just above the other two, but we'll see. Okay, any other observations or anything? I was a little disappointed on the Creekside Park Garden. Um, 
how, how extensive was that review process and how was the public input solicited that the orchard was chosen over the garden? Sure. So um, as you remember, we, we contracted with Backyard Abundance to hold the, the neighborhood meetings, which they did last summer. Um, what we heard from the neighbors is that they really had gardening space in their own yards around that area. So they didn't feel the need for additional gardening space there. But in the, as a group, they wanted to have more of an orchard space so they could try and learn that as a new, you know, a new edible landscape there. Um, so it really was driven by the neighbors that came uh, to that park. Um, and I think it's a good choice for that particular site. I think it offers something new and different. There are, I should say, there are still, I think, a few raised beds that will be available there, but the majority of it is this orchard. Yeah. It's a little different than what we've done, but I think it'll be nice. Okay, good deal. Well, you have plenty more work to do. You better get out there and do it while it's still sunny. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Hi, Jason. Good evening. So we'll shift gears here a little bit, uh, focusing on public works projects. And just starting out, one thing I wanted to point out is uh, this list or showing here is really those projects that are under construction or we expect to be under construction here shortly. Uh, there's a whole other group of projects that are under design for uh, not only 2020, but also 2021. Uh, we started on some of those as well. So again, these are really focused on those projects that are uh, currently under construction. So we'll start things off with the West Riverbank stabilization. As you know, this is a project that will include riprap, uh, retaining wall on the West Riverbank, just north of Highway 6. Uh, as it's been mentioned, it's been a wet spring. Um, so this one's been, um, for the most part, been on hold for a lot of the spring. They had gotten out there, removed some of the vegetation and the trees. That was due to the uh, bat habitat and making sure that's down in time. Um, so it, we got that removed and now it's kind of been sitting waiting for the, the river to recede and then they'll proceed with that work. Uh, we do keep an eye on it to make sure that we're not losing any more riverbank while it's sitting there. Um, so far, uh, it, it's been holding up pretty well. So, but again, we continue to keep an eye on that. Jason, how's the East Riverbank? I, I noticed taking the bike trail down to Terry Trueblood, there were a couple of spots where it seemed the um, it was kind of a sheer fall, not too far off sure. the, the edge of the trail. Yeah, and I think on the east side, and somebody else may be able to um, chime in if I'm not covering everything, but I believe on the east side there's a little more protection on some of that section of the bank, um, and we also aren't seeing quite the same um, degree of erosion there. So we continue to keep an eye on all those areas. Okay. Um, the areas that I'm guessing you're speaking of are behind where Durham Bus Service is, um, kind of south of Highway 6, north of the railroad tracks. Yeah. Um, those, those are areas that we've had issues with in the past during flooding events. Um, we're currently working with Parks and Rec staff to try to figure out a way to get some riprap in there. Mm -hmm. um, there's some low clearance issues, and with it being as wet as it is, we'll have trouble bringing riprap down from the north end without tearing up the trail. So it's, it's just kind of it's a wait and see right now to be able to get that material in there and get it protected. Okay, thanks. All right, anything else on that one? Moving on, the equipment shop parking lot overlay. Uh, this is one that is actually included in a project that you will have before you tonight to set the public hearing. So with our annual asphalt overlay project, this one will be included. Um, it's pretty straightforward, uh, an overlay of the parking lot, which certainly is in need of some repair. 
the West Park lift station rehabilitation, this is one that we're actually doing in-house with our wastewater staff. Um, they are basically going through, this is a lift station located in City Park, um, going through and, and rehabbing that and, and upgrading the sort of the guts of the, um, the lift station down there. First Avenue water main replacement. This is one you may have seen here recently. Um, it's just now kicking off. This will include new water main from Court Street down to Friendship. Also include some work just east of the, the First Avenue and Court Street intersection. Um, those improvements are associated with the, the pressure zoning that we're looking to do with our water system. Um, so this will include uh, some lane closures on First Avenue as well as there will be a, a closure of Court Street for a period of time as they're doing those improvements. So completion of this, we're looking at, uh, the goal would be to have that done before school starts in the fall. Annual stormwater improvements. This is uh, an annual project that includes a number of projects. Um, we're just getting those started. We actually took bids on the first one today, which will include some storm sewer uh, repairs on Peterson Street. We have a, a bid later this week to include some work that needs to happen down by the wastewater plant. Uh, we have a couple more projects planned for later this year. Uh, among those will be a drain tile project, which has been popular, obviously, with the wet weather, um, that we have done those a, a lot of years to kind of those areas that continually have problems with uh, sump pump discharges or other issues. Um, so we will have a, a drain tile project later this year, as well as a couple other ones. Another one that will come up will be um, some intake repairs that'll happen on Dodge Street. Traffic calming, this is one, again, an annual project that we work on um, throughout the city. This year, what we're working on is we do have an um, installation of speed humps that we will be doing on Highland that has been approved. Um, there's also a, a number of other sites that are currently in the, the program or kind of working their way through um, to determine if they'll end up with a project or not. One other one that is out there is a section of Glendale that we're working on too, looking to see what options we might have there. Um, looking, I believe speed humps were not an option or not a preferred option in this in, or in this location. And so we're working through what we might be able to do for a temporary project, looking at maybe some medians or something like that. Um, and what we would do is put those out there for a period of time, let people kind of see how they work, see if it's something that they'd be interested in. Um, and then if there is support, then we would look to possibly move forward with that. Curb ramps, ADA, this is another annual project where we do curb ramps, uh, again, throughout the city. We are just wrapping up the project from last year. Uh, the big one included here is the bump out there at Jefferson and Lynn. That was included as part of this project. Uh, last year's project is more or less complete, just finishing up some of the restoration work with that. I'd like to say something about the bump out. I think that's a, a really good improvement. I'm very happy to see it. It's one I've, I know I've mentioned it many times in prior meetings, and I've heard many people talk about how difficult it is, challenging it is to cross that particular intersection because, you know, for one reason or another. So I'm happy to see the bump out. Sure. Annual pavement rehabilitation, again, you'll see this one tonight um, as we set the public hearing for this year's asphalt overlay project. Just to point out some of the locations that are there, um, we're looking at uh, Newton Road up near uh, the university. There'll be a section of our Park Road, Furson intersection also is in need of some repair there. Um, 
there's a section of Clinton Street, which I believe is Court down to Benton. There is a section of Fair Meadows Boulevard from Hollywood Boulevard to Highway 6. And then finally, um, Gilbert Street for the Kirkwood Avenue intersection to the south. Uh, I believe it's down to 3rd Street, um, that section of asphalt as well. Annual bridge maintenance and repair. Um, this one right now we are currently going through, uh, every two years we go through into our bridge inspections. So we're, those are underway right now with this cycle. We've also, will be looking at doing a master plan to kind of help us set up for what we would have for over the next five or six years for those bridge projects. Um, one thing that that will help with is funding. Obviously, as we add projects that uh, to the list for available bridge funding, um, this will help with that process. We also have plans for some repairs to Iowa Avenue Bridge, um, and then obviously there's some um, bridge replacement projects we have in the works as well with Prentice Street and Second Avenue. Annual sewer main replacement. This is, again, an annual project that focuses on um, a couple different things. One, we have spot repairs. We are finishing up this year's project. We had, I think there was about nine sites. Um, those have been completed, just working through the punch list and restoration work there. Also been working on some sewer lining work. Um, we are down to, I think there's two sites left for that one and should have that completed by the end of the month. Bicycle master plan implementation. This is one um, that has been in the works for a little while and it will be continuing. Um, I think for the most part, the ones that we are working on to date have been involved in other projects. I believe there is one section of Governor Street, basically from Burlington down to Bowery, that we will be trying to figure out if we can incorporate it into another project or if we need to do that separately. Um, as we look out, we're also looking at doing an RFP to help with some of the products that will be, um, get somebody to help us with the design for the products over the next couple of years. Public Works facility. Uh, if you've been down there lately, it's uh, it's really coming along. Um, they got more or less the building shell is up. Uh, like a lot of projects, it's been a wet spring, so it's kind of a mud hole down there. But uh, it is progressing and it is coming along. So I'm still looking at having that complete yet this year is the plan. The landfill leachate pumping system. So again, this is a, a leachate and. Um, gas collection uh, system. A lot of the, the piping work has been complete. Um, right now we're looking at really kind of the SCADA system, so the communication um, and the ability to communicate with the rest of the system and, and do stuff remotely um, is kind of the, the work that we're working on right now. The Myrtle and Riverside intersection signalization, this is obviously is one that was done in conjunction with the overlay of Riverside Drive. Um, as far as the Myrtle and Riverside piece, a lot of the uh, curb ramps and the turn lane have been installed, the median has been installed. Um, really what's left for this intersection is the signal work um, and then also the overlay of Riverside Drive. And that, the overlay is gonna take place next year, is that right? The overlay will actually be, I think they are planning to start on the 9th okay. with the overlay this year. We're probably looking at that being, uh, I'd probably say maybe end of June-ish would be kind of when we'd be looking at completion of that overlay.
Riverside Drive pedestrian tunnel. This is one. Uh, plans are more or less complete. We're working our way through the uh, property and easement acquisition now. So once we have that in place, then we would be ready to proceed with construction. Um, plan right now is still to, to hopefully get that done yet this year. Um, but we're just kind of waiting our, our way through that process. Uh, as I mentioned, Riverside Drive and Governor Street overlay. So the Riverside Drive piece, again, starting later this month, hopefully have it done by the end of the month. Um, the Governor Street overlay is more or less complete, working on some restoration stuff, but the overlay, the bike lanes have uh, been striped. So that is more or less complete. The one part of that product that still remains is there is still a plan to do some repair to Dodge Street. Uh, you'll remember that was a joint project with the DOT, and so it's really DOT maintenance of Dodge Street, but um, we're working with them on that to get that done with the project, and then we will also strike bike lanes on Dodge Street as well. So that part remains, um, but uh, hopefully that'll be, we'll get that squared away here soon. Jason, I got a quick question on the bike lanes, and I meant to call Jeff or somebody just ask about it. When you go up governor and the signage is for the bike lane to go in towards the cemetery and go up summit street instead of going down that steep hill yep. where the road narrows but the signage doesn't appear to me to be as much maybe as it needs to be i mean okay. if you're a bicyclist and you're just kind of head down riding there's no there's no like arrow in the bike lane mm. that the bike lane is ending and you need to turn right sure there's like a street sign almost right at the intersection. So I would just throw that out as a suggestion to be looked at. And I don't, I don't know what the standards are in terms of signage within the bike lanes, but I can easily see somebody actually getting past that intersection, hitting the brick and like, oh, wait a minute, I was supposed to turn nope. and they're already past it. So yeah, we can take a look at that. It's and just that's, a picky yep, And thing, that's certainly where that transition from that bike lane to that bike boulevard that does peel off there. You're yep. right. Yep. So. Okay. Anything else on this one? So with Dodge, I mean, coming down Dodge is pretty rough in spots. And so, but that's not up for another overlay then? Or So there will be some improvement there. The DOT has some money set aside. It's not enough to do all of it. And so we're trying to figure out what what we're able to do with that and how best to use that money for to make the best repairs we can down around the corner yeah. uh, <laughs> luckily <laughs> uh, you know in an out year of the cip we do have a reconstruction of dodge street so that's on the horizon but sure. we're just kind of trying to patch our way until then yeah. you know. okay thanks Idlewild, this is one um, you've heard about before as well. So this one, we're about 90% plans, uh, getting close to having that wrapped up. We are working through the appraisal and, and easement acquisition process now. So this is another one where I think we'll be uh, ready to go here shortly. And then once we have those easements in place, um, then we would proceed with the project. Uh, we're hoping to get that uh, underway yet this fall. picture is not right on this one, but the equipment shop roof replacement, this is one we actually are, um, I believe, is out for bid right now. Um, so this will be a replacement of the equipment shop roof. Uh, again, it's past its useful life and, and certainly need of repair. So um, the picture is incorrect, but that's, that's the project. 
Burlington and Clinton intersection improvements. This is one that's been a long time coming. Um, the sidewalk or the curb ramp and signal improvements are done. The roadway improvements are done. They're finishing up the restriping of the four lane to three lane conversion in addition to bike lanes now. Um, I think there's some things we have to kind of tweak there, but uh, we're getting close. One thing I will note is I believe it's the southeast corner there by the Hieronymus site. Um, sort of final completion of that will likely be done with when their building is complete, um, but there's ramps in place now, so the, the intersection is usable. Um, but that's kind of the final completion would be done with their project. Speaking of the building, it's pretty amazing uh, to me, at least, to see that they're continuing construction. Uh, apparently, all the difficulties were worked out after the fire. And I thought it would take them many more months than this, than this to do that. Certainly, a quick turnaround. Yeah. What's the Anticipated completion now for that for the building. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, they're about three months behind schedule, so I, I would guess that uh, later this summer or early fall we'll be oh, coming to you uh, asking for an amendment to the development agreement because the development agreement contemplated a December 31st completion date, but the fire set them back about three months. Pedestrian mall reconstruction, so we're in year two of that. Um, phase one and the Blackhawk Mini Park are uh, substantially complete. There is still some work on the stage canopy that's occurring that was from a previous phase, um, but they are more or less in phase two. They continue, so that's the east-west section. Uh, they've been alternating kind of the stuff up against the building and the stuff in the middle just, to, again, to kind of keep access to the businesses through that stretch. Um, so looking at completion later this year. Foster Road extension, um, this is one that's part of a development project, but um, certainly been involved uh, from inspection and, and some of the um, coordination, I guess, as they, they work through that. Um, utility work is progressing. Um, I last I had heard that they're pretty more or less on schedule with that. Uh, with the wet weather, obviously they're, uh, like everybody else, trying to, to maintain that schedule, especially for paving, um, but looking at completion yet this year. Mormatrek conversion, this is one that we had started last year. Um, they've done a lot of the mainline paving or uh, repairs were done last year. Now they're focused on the intersection, so they've been working at the Rarit Road, uh, Mormatrek intersection. They'll kind of work their way to the north, again, focusing on the intersections, not only pavement repair, but also curb ramps. Uh, at the same time, they're also doing signal replacements. Um, they still have to restripe the from four lane to three lane. Also, the, uh, the roadway lighting north of Melrose on Mormon Trek is yet to come. We're looking at completion, I think we're aiming for probably end of, uh, of July for that project. Gilbert Street improvements, I uh, don't have to go far to find this one. Um, it's the, I think here with the water main work, that is more or less complete. So they are moving on to street patching. Um, as well as curb ramps. There will also be signal and lighting work. That will be a little bit further behind um, just due to the lead time of getting the poles and mast arms and all of that. Um, so hopefully they'll get some of the other work completed and there'll be a, a short break there until the, that those materials are delivered and they can get that completed. Um, so we're probably looking at completion later this fall. Um, again, we'll be dependent mostly on when those materials come in. What's the project cost on that? 
Uh, I don't have that in front of me. I want to say it was about a million. It was a little over a million dollars. Sidewalk infill is another one that you have on your agenda tonight to set the public hearing. Um, so this will be sidewalk on the north side of Rochester, basically between our ground storage reservoir uh, east to, I believe it's St. Thomas Court. Um, so install uh, sidewalk infill section there along the north side of Rochester. The Iowa City Gateway Project. Um, this is one, obviously, we've been talking about for quite a while. We are getting down to the end. Um, punch list items for the most part. Some work that still remains to be done. They have some signal work that needs to be done. Um, they also have, uh, let's see, so there's also some railing that we need to have installed. And then I think the biggest piece that's left is the end treatments for the arches. Um, I think we've worked through, we have a, the design in mind and what we plan on that being, uh, which would include some planters and some railing um, to, to blend in with the rest of the bridge and the surrounding. Um, area, working with the contractor uh, with the goal to get that done yet this year. Jason, where does the bike trail that goes under the bridge, where does it stand? I believe that is completed. I believe they were working to backfill that yet or that this week. So I think the trail is in. They're working on restoration now. Highway 1 trail, Julie had mentioned. Uh, wastewater treatment plant, electrical distribution. Um, so again, this is upgrading uh, the generator and some of the distribution down at the wastewater plant. This is another one that's really been affected by the wet weather. Um, they've had a lot of issues with dewatering on the site, but they continue to, to plug away. I believe the generator should come in later this summer. Um, so they're working on some of the switchgear stuff now and, and it is progressing with completion later this year. Landfill gate, this is one that came up unexpectedly. Um, weren't, familiar, or weren't aware of it. Uh, there was a vehicle that had hit the landfill gate. It's probably been a couple months ago. Um, we had actually bid out a project to replace that. Um, and did, I can't really, if we didn't receive any bids or we received one that was really high, so we've put that back out, um, talked to contractors to get a better idea of, of how to make that more um, competitive. I, I think we've extended the, the time frame there for completing that, but really it's a replacement of the, the landfill gate uh, that was damaged as part of that incident. Miller Avenue sidewalk and retaining wall. This is over by Benton Hill Park. Um, this was the uh, a project that would install basically a sidewalk on the east side of the park. Um, there was sidewalk recently constructed with the development just south of there. So there's kind of a gap between that and the sidewalk along Benton Street. This will fill that in. Um, if you've been out there with the grades, uh, there's certainly a need for a retaining wall to get that sidewalk in. Uh, again, another one that's been uh, a victim of the wet weather. They've, they're pretty much ready to go as soon as it, it dries out enough to get that wall construction. It's actually started a little bit this spring and ended up having to take some out just due to the wet weather. So with regard to that part, Jason, it, it seems to me, just, just observing it, that the, the improvements are all needed, so I'm glad that they're taking place, but the, the construction work's been really harsh on that park. I thought it used to be a pretty lovely park, and it is not right now. Uh, so I'm hoping the landscape improvements or you know, modifications after the sidewalks put in and the, and the retaining wall and all that kind of thing. Uh, will uh, restore the park to some of its 
aesthetic mm -hmm. character. And, and that's a lot of times that's a challenge, especially with the timing of the bat habitat and that stuff. And, you know, there's that desire to get those trees down right away in the spring. And so as the construction work goes, they'll come through and clean it up and then um, certainly will look different than it does now. How, how high will that wall be? I don't know exactly. I, th I believe it was in the neighborhood about five feet at the, the highest point. Well, will it require a, a fence on the There top? will be, yes. And that is all I had for, for the projects. Um, one thing I did want to point out, obviously these are our capital projects. Um, in addition to that, there's also a lot of development work that's been going on. Um, I, I believe uh, within public works and especially in engineering, we're looking at also being involved with about eight subdivisions currently, um, as well as about 21 site plans. So I didn't list those individually, but obviously it's um, stuff that we're involved with as well. Um, but yeah, another busy year. So. Any questions? Thank you very much. Not there. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jason. Oh. All right. Uh, does anybody want to say anything about any of the review we've just had? I mean, I'd just say I think it's indicative of the good planning that our staff does. I mean, some of these things related to strategic plans we've done, like bike master plan and park master plan and stuff, but there's an awful lot of it that really is on the backs of just staff in terms of knowing what kinds of things need to be updated, improved, repaired, you know, that sort of stuff. So I just want to commend staff for their, you know, planning and foresight and organization and coordination to um, pull all this off, and I'm sure it includes Dennis as well in terms of finance of how we how we schedule and how we do these things. Sure. I just want to thank staff for their efforts on that. I guess I'd want to mention a couple of things. Uh, one is uh, I, I was on Clinton Street yesterday at a certain point and was really, I, I knew the north and south parts of the restriping had been done, but I noticed that the, the striping from what Jefferson Street to Burlington had either it had been partially completed as of yesterday, it may be entirely finished by now. So I'm really pleased to see that, and I look forward to both riding my driving my car and riding my bike on that to get a feel for it, see how it see how it works. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really pleased to see that the striping's been done. The other thing I wonder about, uh, which you did not have a chance to touch on, Jason is the, uh, the project we have uh, uh, that involves inventorying road conditions to, uh, that would enable us to have a priority, list of priorities basically for rehabbing and repairing, et cetera. Where does that stand? So we are working with a consultant. We're just about to the point to have that consultant agreement ready uh, to go. The plan is to have that evaluation, at least have the findings of that ready for uh, the next budget cycle to at least have that kind of help us with planning of projects. <clears throat> so I don't know if we'll have the full report done, but we've told them that the goal would be to at least have them um, some recommendations for uh, the five-year CIP. Great, thanks. <clears throat> One thought I was just having was on Governor, where you know by installing the bike lane with the buffer, the traffic lane widths have been reduced as a consequence of that. And I don't know if we have any data 
uh, prior to the project in terms of what we saw in terms of traffic speeds, but I, I'd be interested to know if, you know, I, you know, we've been, I certainly, I've been emphasizing the importance of lane width with respect to traffic speed, so it would be interesting to see what, if any, change there has been. I mean, it certainly does seem, you know, going from a 15-foot wide lane to, I don't know what it is now, maybe 11, um, should make a significant difference in terms of how people drive that corridor. I mean, I know when I'm on it, it certainly seems more right size than it, than it was before. We can check that. Okay, nothing else? Uh, if there is nothing else, we can move on to clarification of agenda items. We have a pretty short agenda, so I don't know if we have anything that needs clarifying, but if we do, speak Well, I'm, out. I'm not sure if my, my, my late handout, I, I guess it could be considered correspondence. Um, but you could bring it up now, I yeah. think. Um, Why not? It wasn't clear to me when I saw the late handout if it was given a, a number eight point something, but in any event, uh, I included that because, you know, we're, now that the trees are leafing out, you know, I've been, I must say, shocked at what I'm seeing. Um, the, it, it certainly appears that more ash are pretty seriously infected than I, than I had thought, and so uh, I just wanted to raise that concern. Um, I, d I read parts of the tree management plan, which spoke about, if you, if you had a chance to look at the appendix, um, you know, what the goals of treatment would be, and I, I'm feeling that um, our ability to be able to comply with those guidelines is going to be, is a concern to me. I, I don't know exactly where we are with respect to the, uh, the assessments, and in fact, you know, one, one thing I would want to ask is if, for example, with those streets with uh, ash as the dominant specimen, um, to, to carefully assess what conditions we're talking about, um, because, you know, those are the streets, as was noted in the appendix, where you're going from, you know, full canopy to zero, potentially zero canopy. And uh, so all aspects of that canopy, it's environmental, it's aesthetic and so forth, go from full value to zero value. Uh, there's a dead tree in North Market Square. You know, it's um, a lot happened over this past winter in terms of seeing the effect. And uh, so anyway, I, I just wanted to bring that up. It, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I, I feel we've, <clears throat> you know, we'll do the best we can, but I, I feel we, we've, the treatment is, is at least a year late in terms of giving us more control over the outcome. John, on a related point, my recollection is that the staff has indicated that it would be uh, injecting, what, 400 of our ash trees? That's the way I remember. And, and that uh, there was a... Uh, the, the ones that would be injected had been uh, identified uh, as a result of... Uh, investigation by the staff and by some outside help. But I don't think we've seen a map showing the locations of those 400 trees. 
but I know we can get a map that shows that uh, it, it would be good to see it, I think. Yeah, um, it's sitting on, in my inbox here, so either in the Thursday info packet or the following Thursday info packet, but prior to your next meeting, we'll have an overview of our chemical injection uh, process, and we can include a map with that, and you can feel free to ask questions at that, at that next council meeting based on that info packet. But... Um, John, you're absolutely right. As, as we've engaged with the, the contractor, they're going around and looking at some of these trees and saying, you don't want to you don't want to waste your money on treatment. This one's too far gone. And I gave you a heads up on three on Washington Street that we'll be removing that are significant. And uh, there's others, too. Um, but our contract calls for the treatment of up to 400. Um, that's what it, so we'll show you what ones we're looking at. But we do have some flexibility to bring some others in as we're um, scratching some off the list. Yeah, and finally, one, one thing I mentioned in, in correspondence with Jeff was, depending on how this plays out, but on those streets where we have, you know, full canopy loss, uh, I think the selecting trees to achieve in as short a period of time as possible, again, not necessarily going with the monocultures because we've you know seen how that can end up but uh, selecting trees so that um, you know the restoring the effect is accomplished in as short a period of time as we can because uh, it you know if, if you've lived on a given street with a full canopy for 30 years and you see that canopy disappear uh, uh, that that's Quite a blow. Yeah, one such street is Davenport, as you know, and it, it yeah, it's it can be devastating for sure. Well, I think it'll be interesting when we get to that point to see what staff's recommendation is, because I know Julie certainly has talked about a real diversity in terms of the species that we use, and some of those certainly are going to be faster growing trees than others, and and I think we've got to look both short and long term that we're not putting a bunch of stuff in that's really fast growing, but then some of those really fast growing trees 20 years or so is kind of their lifespan so it's yeah i'm not suggesting we that every single tree be a fast growing tree but um you know it, at the same time you know you know I, I think they need to be part of the mix you don't want all oaks that are going to take yeah, right. <laughs> 70 years I yeah think, I, I hear what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> okay any other agenda items yeah, I would, I mean, we can discuss this in the formal, but I, I'm having a little trouble understanding number 12, the support for the developing local food hub in terms of what it is we're getting that we that isn't already be, being provided in the community and why is this coming up now and maybe not part of an aid to agencies process? How was how it outside of aid to agencies that all of a sudden we've got this 45,000? So I get a little better understanding because the memo didn't, didn't give me quite enough, I guess. Sure. Okay. So um, we recognize that the, the local foods funding that has been budgeted over the last several years uh, had not been been expended. There were a variety of projects that were kind of brought up in, in the past as a potential use, and ultimately um, there wasn't a, a, a major project or a use over the last several years for local foods funding. So um, we decided to investigate what our opportunities might be to 
you know, utilize those funds and, and create an environment in which we can um, provide better access for people to have local foods or to uh, support the regional local foods economy that would be supporting people like um, providing local foods to through contracts with the school district or um, providing that to other local institutions that um, you know, Michelle Kenyon from Field to Family, um, the recipient organization, is going to be here to discuss okay. exactly who they serve and in which okay. in which circles they operate, um, the kinds of contracts that they come to that they would use um, okay. with the local food hubs. So that that was the okay. thought that we'll okay. we I can, can wait. discuss and further okay. explain. But okay. that's the gist of it. I'll wait till the formal then. Thank sure. you. I think the key is with that is um, we had a separate funding source and the council has a strategic plan goal of growing the local foods economy. So we did a mini aid to agencies RFP, saw what kind of proposals were out there and we felt this was the best. So it's four or five months in the works. Okay, that helps. Thank you. Other items? Okay, I have a couple I want to bring up. Uh, one is uh, item 7F in the late handout, which is the 2019 asphalt resurfacing project. So I don't have any objection to any of it, but I just observe that some work will be done on Dodge Street between Burlington and Bowery. And if I read correctly, that will result in the removal of 40 on-street parking spots, right? So I don't object to that, but I imagine that there are some residents who live on that street who might. So I think just we need to be conscious of that. And I know we're only setting a public hearing for our next meeting, but it's, yeah. One thing I would just note is they will, uh, both the property owners and the residents will receive notification uh, ahead of the public hearing, so they would have the opportunity to speak at the public hearing about that issue. Is that to improve traffic flow? So basically what it is, is it's a way to, um, the parking will be replaced with a buffered bike lane. Okay. And so it will go, um, that's essentially what would happen. It's a, it's a project in the bike master plan. Yeah, so it's important to notify the neighbors, the residents, and, and so that they have a chance to speak about it if they want to. I also wanted to mention one other thing that could require the help of Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Item 6C, the approval of interfund transfers. So I only bring this up because it's a new requirement resulting from legislation passed this last session. I wonder if you could help us just quickly explain and help us make sure we know what's sure, going on. Here. Sure. This is something that was a change in the administrative code. And as part of the budget process, we, we do a number of administrative transfers, like we transfer road use tax funds to the to the forestry division to help pay for our forester. We transfer employee benefit funds uh, levy to the general fund to cover employee benefits. Uh, we transfer funds to the MPOJC. We have a whole range of transfers that we, we do. And, and uh, due to an incident in a small community, uh, for a transfer of utility funds, they decided to change the administrative code that now requires that all interfund transfers 
be adopted by uh, city council resolution. So we're kind of working our way through how we're going to make sure these resolutions get adopted prior to uh, you know putting those transfers on the books. Um, so right now we're going to take all the remaining transfers for the year. This actually went into effect in the middle of April. And, and have those all adopted by resolution. And then you'll see another one come forward uh, probably in uh, either later this month or early July for, for the transfers for, for fiscal year 20. And those will be like a not to exceed amount because we do some of those quarterly, some monthly, some as needed. Some we don't know the amounts until we actually receive hotel motel taxes or other uh, other events take place. Uh, so, you know, as we go through the next fiscal year, we're going to just have to evaluate that as far as, you know, are there transfers that, that need to take place that were not included in that resolution, uh, amounts that are, are changed or amended um, due to maybe a project comes in over or under uh, what we anticipated. So um, do that administrative code. Uh, we're just having to work through uh, that impact on, on what we're doing and the timing of it. Great, thanks. To, would anybody like to ask Dennis any questions about that? I, I just wonder what was the concern that the that was had for documenting this. Um, well, uh, there was. We went to the, a training session uh, in May uh, from uh, the state auditor's office and the Department of Management. And it was just my understanding that uh, a small community transferred uh, enterprise funds or utility funds to the general fund. And uh, some of the residents had concerns about this um, that I, I believe were addressed at that level. However, um, due to that uh, taking place, uh, they decided to impose uh, this upon all of the communities um, in jurisdictions to now have to uh, essentially run all of our transfers uh, through resolution. Boy, I used to do this with my sons. One son would do something wrong and... Everybody gets punished. Punish would, <laughs> punishment would be directed toward both of them. <laughs> I'm only kidding, but you know, it feels that way. And real quick too, how typical is it that statutes become effective April? I noticed we've had a couple now that have been April. Don't they usually do July 1st uh, or, or I, I not? I don't know if this was actually done by statute. Okay. Uh, is administrative, administrative code. I believe the Department of Management uh, came up with this administrative change. Um, and they made it effective immediately, which uh, was almost impossible because as far as I know, we didn't even receive communications about this until we went to the training seminar. And, and essentially they said, well, it was too late for April. Um, however, any transfers in May would uh, fall under that administrative code. And so I assume as when we do our annual audit, you know, part of that annual audit is a compliance audit. And they would review our transfers to ensure that they uh, complied with the administrative requirements. Um, so that's why we kind of had to rush into getting this done because it, it just really came about with short notice or virtually no notice, actually. Seems to be a trend lately, right? Okay, so we can probably move on to the information packets. Thank you. May 23rd packet. Anybody have any questions or whatever reactions? I just think the uh, police department report, I think there's lots of good information there. I want to. 
You know, congratulate them on a couple of really important grants that they got this last year, the one on strengthening law enforcement response to domestic and sexual violence. It's a national demonstration initiative. They want to six sites, I think, in the country doing some work with that. And then the data-driven justice initiative, which was extended, which we've had that for a little while, that Dave Schwint does a lot of work on, mm -hmm. um, has been just a significant piece of being able to do our Housing First project and, and gather data from that and really see the effects of some of the different um, programming. So um, new mission statement, which I think is a very positive change. Um, and just so it's always good to see this information. I see a lot of uh, valuable information uh, in the farther on in the report that, mm -hmm. that, uh, it, that the chief does not refer to directly in his overview, like total calls for service are down for the third straight year. Arrests have steadily declined by 30%, by a total of 30% since 2013. But to interrupt you just a second, Jim, what I did find interesting yeah. was in, in a there's nobody here to answer the question. I'm not sure that Chief Matherly could, but you said the total calls for service are down the last three years, but look how much they're up from 2012, 2014, and 2015. I just found that really interesting. I mean, we, I mean, 12 was at six, about 65,000, 2013 was about 70,000, then it went down to about 67, then 65, then it's jumped up to 71, 70 and a half, just over yeah, 70,000. So, yeah. so it was just kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm glad to see that we're on the decline, but we're still significantly higher than we were in 2012, 14, <clears throat> and 15. Yeah, so that's true. Somehow, somehow I didn't see that graphic. I wish I had. Uh, so yeah. point taken. Uh, but I do notice also that Group A crimes declined by 8.5% from mm -hmm. 2014. Violent crimes have declined, declined by 7% since 2014, even though they, they increased from 2017 to 2018. Uh, and total juvenile charges referrals declined a lot for both blacks and whites, juveniles. I, I think it's important to kind of pay attention to the detail, and I guess I want to make a key point here. Earlier in one of the slides that Julie showed us, uh, um, the slide showed a frame um, in, in front of, what was the building it was in front of? Well, anyhow, in front of a building that was in a photograph. And the, the, you were supposed to be able to stand behind the frame so that people could take photographs of you. Oh, it was across the street. But, huh? Where is it? At the across the street, the parking lot. Chauncey parking lot. Oh, yeah, on the side of the parking lot, right. So the, the point I'm making is it, 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 framing is really crucial and, and with regard to something like the data concerning the incidents of crime, arrests, et cetera. Uh, we, we need to do a better job of framing, which is a way of drawing people's attention to certain things. You know, like if you're, if you're a photographer, you frame the photograph, if you're really good at it. You, you, you ask, what's the, what, is the, um, what is it I'm tr really trying to take a photograph of? And then you frame it so that it's just right. Or, uh, you know, when a person stands in the new framed thing by the Chauncey Swan parking lot, they'll be able to do that as well. But we can do it with regard to key things that we're doing so that we can draw the public's attention to what we're doing really well. And if something's bad, you know, well, we have to deal with that too. But 
framing matters a lot. And when you talk about that framing, Jim, I think one thing that's interesting in here is, because you talked about the juveniles, but when you look for the calls for service related to juveniles, those numbers have been going up. They've been trending up every single year. But the juvenile court services, referrals slash charges, have been trending down, mm -hmm. which off the top of my head says to me, our police are getting more calls uh, related to juvenile issues, but a smaller percentage of those are resulting in juveniles being in the judicial system. Which is a they're, huge thing. They're finding yeah. other ways to interact with juveniles yeah. and avoid them being in the judicial system. So yeah. framing, as you say, is very important. Yeah. The, the other thing I... I you know, I, I, the overall data is, is interesting in terms of looking for trends and so forth, but I still am really interested in the GIS aspects of this data collection. You know, where, where, is, where are these data points being collected and what pattern they generate? Uh, because it's not evenly distributed across the city. I mean, there's, there are going to be um, unique patterns that you know, as I've often emphasized, at least from my experience, we all have different ways of experiencing Iowa City. That's not, there isn't one Iowa City, there's, there are many Iowa Cities. Uh, and I, I think some, some way of, you know, breaking that information down so it's a little bit more correlated with how people actually experience Iowa City would be helpful. Okay, uh, there are items on that information packet. Mm, I'll mention item six, minutes of the CPRB's May 14 meeting, where the boards will be recommending that the council appoint a liaison to the CPRB. I guess we don't have to take any action on that until we get some kind of get a formal recommendation from the board. Uh, but we have discussed the possibility of having liaisons to various boards and commissions before. Bruce, you weren't here when we did this, but this back in early 2016, we discussed that as a possibility. And at the time, at that time, the council decided not to do it. So in this case, one board is recommending that we assign a liaison to that particular board. So we'll have to process that and think it through. I, I still was a little concerned about what they truly were asking us to do, to be a liaison, to, but they it talked about uh, concern about the makeup of, and function of their board. But I thought when they were here to talk about it, uh, they talked kind of about the differences in, in decisions made uh, with the police chief versus the CPRB. So I was a little concerned. What, well, that was part of that change that we made right. in the ordinance. And, and I think to your first comment, Jim, I think the, you know, the time to really talk about this is when we get the actual recommendation yeah, from them too. and see the yeah. wording. Right. So. Yeah. That, you know, that topic will come up as we're right, exactly. having that conversation. Okay, how about the May 30th packet? Can we get to IP5? Sure, go ahead. Which was staff needs guidance to. on, right? Uh, oh, 
Simon, you're going to yes. say something about this. Uh, the tax abatement uh, program. Um, so this is one that uh, staff has been working on uh, with the committee um, from folks outside the organization as well for uh, some time now. It was part of your affordable housing action plan um, from 2016. Um, this is a provision in state code which is, allows uh, property taxes to be abated on improved value for up to 10 years, and it can be up to 100% of those uh, increased taxes. Um, you, you have a lot of flexibility within that, what the percentage is, whether it's a sliding scale. Um, we are also looking at this uh, provision of state code for commercial tax abatement as well, which the Economic Development Committee heard a little bit about yesterday. Um, so where we landed with this one, it was very hard to uh, get it to pencil out in a way that um, really uh, saw the provision of new affordable housing. Uh, to our knowledge, we're the only city in the state that is going to use this provision in state code explicitly for affordable housing. It's generally to inspire some type of development in communities that are seeing none. Uh, so we're trying to uh, use this as an additional tool to inspire more affordable housing. Uh, so working with bankers and developers, um, we landed on a 40% uh, tax abatement for the 10 years. Um, it would have to be a multifamily uh, uh, development that included more than six units. That was the lowest threshold in which we could get it to pencil out that we would get at least one unit um, from that building and still be able to abate those taxes. Um, the uh, tenant must be uh, at or below 60% of AMI, but the rent can't exceed uh, what the 40% level would be. Uh, so the rents will be lower, but they will uh, be allowed to uh, pursue a little bit of broader uh, tenant pool. Uh, the concern was that um, putting that number too low, uh, that they wouldn't necessarily be able to fill those units. So uh, that was the feedback we uh, received on that. Uh, just as the EDC heard yesterday, um, with the commercial tax abatement, we're looking to um, start this to be narrowly tailored. It is a buy right um, for the developer. So uh, if they check all the boxes that uh, we put, all the parameters that we put on the program, they work directly with the assessor and it doesn't come through us like a TIF project would be um, uh, approved individually or the, the parameters of that TIF project, uh, a TIF incentive would be approved individually. Uh, so we're trying to start a little bit more conservative, see what uh, what we get out of it. Uh, and we are able to, to change that going forward to make it um, a little, to make the incentive a little bit higher if we're not seeing the, the development of new housing that we want to. Simon, I was wondering whether you could comment on who the committee consisted of. I know for our inclusionary zoning in riverfront crossings, we had sort of a coalition of developers and affordable housing advocates, and they were able to get a unanimous recommendation. Could sure. you comment a little bit on who that community consisted sure. um, of? Sure. There were, um, and we did have some membership changeover that was close to a year and a half that the committee was meeting, so we did have some membership changeover in the, uh, in the interim. Uh, there were uh, two uh, uh, development companies uh, represented. One uh, does um, especially through the Housing Trust Fund, um, develop uh, affordable housing. Uh, a couple of bankers as well um, to work on the numbers to see um, how we could get those to pencil out. Um, and really, I feel like at least uh, the staff's perspective was get as much out of this as we can. You know, the the affordability component wasn't as much. Um, 
uh, the issue as how can we get uh, that affordable housing with this program that wasn't really designed for it. So it was really more focused on the, the numbers. And, and did we have the affordable housing advocates as part of that committee or, or uh, not? I think other than the uh, individual developer, I don't think that we did. I, I really feel like my role on that committee was the affordable housing advocate. But no, we didn't. It was really more about trying to get the to see how the numbers would work. Do you, when you're talking about the numbers, do you anticipate other funds will be um, utilized as well, like CDBG? Yeah, or it could be used in concert with other programs, uh, certainly okay. with other fun, funding sources. Uh, one of the uh, parameters we're putting on it is that it can't be combined with TIF. Yes. Um, it would be basically using the same increment um, as a, a TIF project, and frankly, we can incentivize affordable housing through a TIF project. But right now, uh, we wouldn't need this program for that. Um, but yeah, that's where we landed. And uh, one other thing I will add to it, uh, when you do uh, create a tax abatement area, uh, we don't have um, areas identified. We want to be able to use this citywide, or at least outside of riverfront crossings. Um, but um, essentially, we'd be looking at what the proposed development was first and then creating the tax abatement area for that parcel. Um, part of the process when you create the area is you have to notify every property owner and every tenant um, within the area that you've um, delineated. So um, again, trying to start more conservatively. So effectively, we would expect that a developer would come to this, say, I have this parcel of land. I'd like to put up a 12-plex. Um, we're going to make uh, 15 to 20% of those affordable. Um, price the rent at 40 percent, um, can we create the tax abatement district for this parcel? And so you could create that tax abatement district just for that one parcel? Yes, correct. And there have been cities that uh, did that. I believe that the city of Coralville used that for a LIHTC project uh, for Sand Company uh, that's working with us currently, that they set up a, an abatement district just for that parcel. Can you explain to me the rationale where if I understand this, people up to either 60 or 80 percent could would be eligible, but the rent is going to be limited to what a household at 40 percent. Right. Okay. So, I guess what was the logic of somebody who's between that 40 and 60? I mean, they're getting a better benefit, obviously, of paying only the 40 percent. But kind of what was the logic as the sure the, the logic was that we wanted uh, the incentive to be lucrative. We wanted to address the lower income area, um, lower AMI levels than uh, we do through a lot of our 80 and 60 percent. Um, but the concern was uh, filling those units and having enough um, families to fill those units. And also, there is no clawback uh, mechanism. You know, once they have this set up, they get it for the 10 years. And as uh, hopefully families' incomes are cr increasing throughout those 10 years, uh, that it became very problematic that um, you'd either, uh, they'd have to find a new tenant um, or not renew a lease with somebody else. So, you know, ideally they're starting at the 35 or 40, and then as their income increases, they wouldn't necessarily have to find a new unit, but their rent wouldn't be able to be increased. And the 10 years is set by statute, correct? Yes, and we don't have to go the full 10 years. Um, that was uh, where we landed to make a pencil out. Um, but frequently, especially with the commercial tax abatement, you'll see a three or five year schedule. And the reason not being in riverfront crossings 
Can you tell us what that? Sure. Uh, there, are, there were a couple of um, rationale for that. You know, one is that it is already a TIF district. It does have the inclusionary zoning requirement. Um, so um, even a, a developer not asking for an incentive is going to be required to do the 10% in riverfront crossings. Um, if we want to incentivize anything above the 10%, we already have the ability to do that using the same increment through TIF, and that would give you more control um, over an individual project. You'd have more negotiating leverage with that than you would with the tax abatement program. And this isn't a new program. This has been around. Yes, the state law has been in place, yes. I think, 1979, sure. something like that. Um, but again, I think this is the first time that a community in Iowa has used it explicitly for affordable housing and not just, it's generally used more like the workforce housing tax credit where you're just trying to get more um, units online. With regard to riverfront crossings, if I understand the proposal correctly, I feel uncomfortable with requiring developers in one district, riverfront crossings, to include affordable housing, requiring them to do it, and in another case, providing tax exemptions for developers to do it. That feels imbalanced, maybe even unfair to me, so I'd have to process that sure. to be persuaded it's a good idea. The, the, the logic with that in, yeah, in riverfront crossings yeah. um, was that there was also significant upzoning. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, we were just kind of all saying we're the same thing. up zoning, up zoning. The up zoning that we did with the form-based code in riverfront crossings was yeah. why we good. required that 10% affordable housing in riverfront crossings. So. We, we kind of gave all the landowners, yeah. developers in that area a, a break, if you will, by that that change in the code. Yep. Good That's point. Right. Thank it you. It was based yeah. on our zoning authority. Yeah. Simon, can I go back just a minute? Because I'm still, I want to follow up on my previous question. So as I read this, it's limited to people that are at 60% or below of the median income. Mm -hmm. But the rents are limited to the 40% level. Correct. Isn't that a disincentive to the developer that they could be renting to somebody who's at the 60% income level, but they can only charge the, the rent for somebody who's at the 40% income level? The, basically, we tried to push that rent as low as we could and still make it pencil out with what tax benefit the developer would likely see. Um, so we did start at the 60% level, such as with the inclusionary uh, housing requirement in riverfront crossings. But then we found, as we worked through the numbers, that if we were willing to do 40% on the entire development in terms of tax abatement, we could push that rent a little bit lower. All right, thank you. I'm a little concerned also, and we're going to run out of time here. I don't think we're going to be able to finish this. That's the way sure. it feels to me. But anyhow, uh, I, I'm a little bit concerned by the, uh, the, the one paragraph that um, says developers can request different terms, which, as I read it, was very open-ended. And I, I feel uncomfortable with that unless I'm persuaded not to be. It would be similar to requests that you see now um, through a TIF project, or um, basically, it. The, the only thing that that comment is trying to get at is if they want something different than the parameters that are in this uh, program, that that's a completely different new discussion with city council. Um, that uh, the parameters of this program are by right. So if this isn't lucrative enough for them, or um, they have something different in mind, that would just be a request to staff and council like any other 
request for incentives. The, the urban, the area, the urban revitalization area, which is the area in which the tax abatement applies, has to be established by the council. Mm -hmm. And those criteria have to be upfront as part of the establishment of the area. But basically, this is where we would start as staff with any request for the tax abatement. And so long as you all are comfortable with those parameters, we would proceed preparing it for your consideration without um, basically coming back to you to ask for a negotiation. Whereas anything outside of these parameters would be a new discussion because you wouldn't have had the chance to weigh in on it. Okay. Do you folks feel like we know enough about this? to say to staff, yeah, proceed and return to us with a, a specific proposal, or do we need to talk about it more after the formal meeting? Sorry, after the formal meeting. I'm comfortable. I guess my last question would be, so the program would be established. Will it be coming back to us in the form of a resolution or an ordinance at all, or? Because yes. we're, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Because we're not setting up the abatement areas right. right now or the urban revitalization area right now, those would all come back to you, similar to the urban renewal area process with the tip. Okay, so the, the outline of what it would take to get one would just be in staff documents that you could review with a developer. But if they wanted to go forward, they you'd have to come back to get the the area established. Exactly. Okay. So then what you would be telling somebody is if if they didn't want to do what was in that plan, mm -hmm. you couldn't negotiate with them without coming back to council and right. looking at different terms. Right. Okay. So well, the six bullets are what we would be starting with unless council had more discussion. We're I'm, not we're not going to go through the process of yeah. setting up an urban revitalization area on terms other than these. And we would Unless see that come it. back yeah. once yes. it becomes a mm -hmm. proposed right. as a district. Right. So I'm comfortable. I'm, exactly. yeah, no, I'm, I'm comfortable. okay. I'm We're okay. essentially asking for permission to market this. Right. right. Mm -hmm. You're going to have you're going to have final say in creating it, but we want to market it, mm -hmm. and we didn't want to get out in front of you before we did that. And I would liken it to our economic development policies. You know, when we're negotiating TIF, um, we know if we're putting money into it and it's residential, we're at 15% or more affordable housing. And that's just a parameter that staff knows is Yeah, I'm comfortable too. All right, well, I have one other concern I want to just mention, and then we're going to have to stop uh, uh, prior to the formal meeting. Uh, yesterday in our economic development committee meeting, uh, we had a brief conversation about tax incentives relative to uh, carbon emission reductions. And the, the gist of the conversation was that since we have a climate action plan that seeks to reduce carbon emissions on a steady glide path over the next, what, 30 plus years, that, uh, uh, well, I, I claim that we need to make sure our economic development incentives ensured that new construction was on that glide path. So it, I just wonder whether this particular uh, incentive for affordable housing could also have an, an incentive built into it with regard to new housing construction. I don't want to push the point uh, because it complicates things a lot right at the moment, uh, but I have that concern and just need to put it out there. Okay. Uh, thanks, Simon. Yep, thank you. Uh, we will uh, return to the March, uh, May 30th um, information packet after the formal meeting. So we're going to adjourn this meeting now and.
until 7 o'clock for our formal meeting. Uh, we stop with the May 30th information packet. IP5. IP5 we had not finished. So the question was with regard to IP5, uh, well, Charlie obviously raised a point oh, that yeah. is relevant to the question at hand. So. I would certainly like to get the feedback. Yeah, I would suggest we give it a HCDC and wait for their response. What did the rest of you I'm, think? I'm okay with that. Owen, I'm Susan? okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. All right. I do, other, I do have one question for staff. Are there any time sensitive items related to that? Nope. No. Uh, the only uh, time issue would be how soon we could get the program rolling. But okay. No uh, external time constraints. And I assume that Simon would be able to participate in that process too, correct, with HCDC? Um, yeah. If uh, that's what Jeff and Tracy decide, okay. absolutely. Okay. Thanks. I'd like to bring up a point with regard to this, uh, to IP number three, which is the strategic plan, uh, the list of pending topics. With regard to item nine, update on climate action activities, uh, Jeff and I discussed this and uh, decided that it would be good to have the update on climate action activities during one of our meetings in July, probably the second meeting, I would guess, but this is, this is something that hasn't been decided, but you should, you should expect to have it occur in July. And so I just wanted to make that point. And any any other topics, folks? I think I have one more of it. Uh, the the only, oh, were you, were you going to speak? Go oh, ahead. Yeah. Okay. The, the only comment that I would make is that um, IP three or pending council work session topics. As we all know, we we try to be as judicious as we can in terms of what goes in and what goes out. Um, and I, for today's work session, it was a wonderful update on our capital improvement. It was it was terrific. But sort of moving forward, I'm really hopeful that we can allot most of that time for the pending work session topics because I think we do have a lot of policy issues that come before us and um, that is our opportunity to, to speak as a body as to those these these issues. So um, that's sort of my view and I, I'm just hopeful that sort of moving forward that we not have quite as much as sort of updates of capital improvement when we have a number of work session topics that we need to get through. Yeah. Okay, any other IP items on the, uh, the May 30th information packet? IP7, the um, National League of Cities, State of Cities 2019, yeah. I thought had some interesting um, coverage on, you know, range of issues, various strategies cities have taken, certainly worth taking a look at. Anything else? IP8, I uh, was just thinking about Johnson County Affordable Housing Coalition help for Gulfview residents. Jeff, do we have any update in terms of where we're at, or maybe that would be Johnson County uh, Affordable Housing Coalition in terms of this issue, in terms of mobile home 
policy in terms of updating our affordable housing plan? No, I, I don't have anything, That's but I'd be happy to reach out to okay. Sarah and send you an update. Okay. I, yeah, it's unfortunate Sarah left. Um, Maza here and I had been sort of selfly appointed to, to meet with them, and, and we hadn't heard from Sarah to get together, so I don't know that they have really done anything yet with that. Okay, any other IP items? All right, I'm not hearing any, so I, that was the last thing we needed to do on the work session. You've got the late handouts for KXIC. KXIC, yes. Correct, and I have volunteered for the 16th, is that right? Is that 12. the date? 12, thank you. 12. I'll take June 19th. I'll, July 10th. Do July 3rd. June 26th. Got July 17th, 24th, and 31st. I can do the 17th. Are all of us accounted for? Well, Maz. Except for Maz, but she's not back she until August. She won't be back, yeah. Uh, we could invite a, another staff person to fill a, one of them. He wants to take both those, or just one? Are they consecutive? I don't know if yeah. that's a great plan. 24th well, and 31st. Right. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you do that? Okay. Okay, so we're good to go, huh? All right, I think we're done with our work session. Any objection? All right, we're done. Thank you.